Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're going to jump in a new series today, and I'm excited about that. If you are new this weekend, you've found Memorial Weekend. This is the place you ended up in Birch Bay. We want to welcome you here. We love to let you know that we're here all summer, actually all year. So this is kind of kind of kicks off the camping season. I remember as, as a kid, uh, we spent a lot of days in wet weekends, Memorial Weekend at Birch Bay. And so this is a special uh, weekend to have good weather like this. But today is a great day because we're starting this new series called This is Colossians. This is Colossians. We're going to go through the book of Colossians here for the next few weeks up until the uh, beginning of officially of summer. And the question I want to start us off today as we jump into this, and we'll get into the text, we'll get into what it's about, but this is the question. Who do you think you are? Seriously. Honestly, you come in here, who do you, who do you think you are? Now, if you've been asked that question before in that way, you know, it's a little, it takes you back a little bit. It's a little, it's, it, it's a, it, there's someone is threatened by you. If you ever wonder why people ask you that, because you've threatened them, who you, you know, your personhood, your position, or, you know, and a lot of times it happens in our, in our work, doesn't it? You come into a new place and, and you work with the people that have been there before and you're the newbie and you're trying to find your way around and like, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? I've been here for years. I kind of had that experience uh, when I was in college, I worked in the mail room in the, the parcel post of the mail office on, on the afternoon dispatch. And I got the job through the actual postmaster. I played trombone with him in a church orchestra. Back in the day, we had orchestras. And I played in this band with him. And he said, hey, Dan, I'm looking for somebody in the afternoons. You want to come and work for me? I said, sure, I needed a job. And so he got me assigned to a, a guy. If you, do you remember Danny DeVito? Okay, picture Danny DeVito, but meaner. This is the guy. He had worked, you know, 40 years at something. I mean, he's at close to retirement working for the, the, the post office. And he kind of let me know that he'd been here a long, long time. And, and he called me right away. He called me college boy. You know, when you're called college boy, I mean, you just, you just know, like, this guy has it out for you. But what really peeved him was that I was friends with the boss. And so... John would come through, and, 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 and Mike was the guy's name, and, he would, and Mike would salute him almost like, hello, Mr. Brandt, you're good to see you today, you know? And then he was like, oh, good to see you, Mike. And then, then John would come up to me, and we would chit-chat and talk a little bit, and boy, that made him mad, you know, because I was friends with him. And then he'd kind of do the, the whisper yell at me after he left, get back to work, you know? And then I had the audacity, I'd been there like two whole weeks, and I thought, you know, we're moving these over here to here. What if we just moved this to here and eliminate this? Oh, you know, tell anybody to do anything. They've been doing it for 30 years. Even if it's wrong, this is how we do this. And he came up to me again about that tall, comes up to me and he says, points his finger. Who do you think you are? And I, you know, I've been here for years and he goes, he just goes off on me. Now, whether you had met someone like that or know somebody like that, or you're like, I work for that guy, 
You, you know that feeling. It brings up a lot of insecurities. It brings a lot of, you, you know, you feel like you've been threatened. And, and, and listen, you know, at 19 years, punk college kid telling a, a guy to, you know, do what he's been doing for years. Or you might be in a place where you've finished a career. You're asking the same question. That's a question not only that maybe it's a threat to, to you and who you are by someone doing that to you. But you maybe looked in the mirror today. You maybe this this week you're going, who am I really? Who who am I? That question is something that we wrestle with. It's a question of our very identity. And if there was ever a battle for over identity in our day, it's it's this day. It's it's their greatest threat of, of theft. People are trying to hack and steal our identity all the time. You probably have software protection. You have other ways and bank security and passwords upon passwords. And they ask you five different, what's the name of your first, you know, dog or your first car, your first, you know, whatever. And like, I don't even remember this stuff, but you're trying to be protected from your identity being stolen, right? We all do that. But identity is more than our driver's license number or picture. It's more than our social security number. It really comes down to when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves, what do we see? And what we found is we look in, or how about this, when we look out to what society has, they're not helpful. We are in an identity crisis. Most of us would agree that there's a lot of confusion going on of how people see themselves, how they see their gender, how, they, how their sexual orientation is. And so what happens is it leads to bullying in schools. It's led to one extreme, suicides have taken place because of it. And then the other extreme, we have school shootings have taken place. And so our, our, our students, our young adults, and really any age level, there's a, there's a battle that's going on and really asking this question, who am I? There's so much brokenness, there's so much pain in our world. And on top of that, we have an enemy of our soul, Satan himself, who is called the author of confusion, the father of lies, whose purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy not only our souls, but before he tries to do that, he tries to steal our identity. But the reality is there's a source of this identity crisis. It's called sin. Due to the fall of man, we are all born in the sinful, broken world, and we're damaged at the core from the very beginning. If, and really in a sense, it's created for us fragile and insecure souls that has done a number on us. And there's, there's ramifications that happen, the results of where we are in our identity crisis. And there's three things. I just want to use these as an intro as we go into the book of Colossians today is this. Some results of our identity crisis have found this. It's unfair criticism, unrealistic compliments, and unwise comparisons. The first one is this, unfair criticism. Unfair criticism. You maybe have heard these words or they've been insinuating some way. You don't measure up. I wish you, you were like such and such. You don't have what it takes. I wish I'd never had you. Some of you have heard those words. You never are going to amount to anything. Even mentioning those phrases, even saying them out loud, it, 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 there's something within you that you have been trying to recover from years from hearing that. But what happened is there's these messages that have been burned in the hard drive of our ego, and they've done a number on us. And what happens is when we're tired and when we're hungry, when we're weary and when we're stressed out and we feel fear comes over us, it's like within us, we, we push a button that plays these recordings 
over and over again. That I'm not adequate. I'm not capable of whatever I need to do and whatever I need to accomplish. So unfair criticism we have faced at times. The other thing is this is unrealistic compliments. It's kind of the other extreme. I think we all have, you know, for now, how many years, 20 years of, you know, reality TV and people auditioning. And it's always amazing. And of course, it's great television when someone gets up that was told that they, were, they could sing or they could dance and they had some kind of talent. <laughs> someone along the lines kind of told them that. You're the best and you're amazing. No one as good as you. And then we, it had to be this, you know, this, uh, you know, really obnoxious British guy say you're horrid, right? To tell every, to tell them that they're bad. And now it doesn't mean that we don't need encouragement. Doesn't mean we don't need, but there's times we can insulate ourselves where people are not being honest with us. And so that's another extreme that can happen for us. And it's, it still can do a number on our ego when all of a sudden we, we, our, our bubbles burst after so many years. Well, no one told me that. Well, no one was being honest with you, you know, at times. And then here's the other extreme is unwise comparisons. We just look around at other people and we say, you know, I'm not like them. I'm not attractive. I don't, I'm not as, as bright as I'm not as talented as them. And, and we've talked a few times before. I think I'm picking on this social media thing. But what they found is people that are involved heavily in Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, what they find is they, 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 they head into areas of depression. It's the FOMO. You heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out. And our struggle comparison, it even affects our faith. And it comes in here today. When we come in here today, it, you know, especially church people, we can be really good at looking really good. We can be really good at, at just putting on the way we put on and, and do our Sunday best. But the reality is, People that do sometimes come in here, and you might feel this today, going, man, I, I, I see these people, man, they seem like they got it together. But the reality is there's a lot of people that got it together because they can get it together enough to be together, but inside of them, it's, it's not that great. And some of you would say that's true for you here today. Now, you're thinking, in all of this, what in the heck does this have to do with the book of Colossians? Well, it has everything to do with it. Everything to do with it. Because what we're going to discover and start looking at today, especially in the next couple of weeks, that the letter, the letter Paul wrote, who's an early church leader to the early Christians in the first century, to a community called Colossae. And Colossae was located over in the, was now, it was now modern day Turkey, the Asia minor part of the Roman Empire. And what happened was after the resurrection of Jesus, news spread and early Christ followers actually began to hear the words, as we mentioned about Alex and Taryn, what they're doing, they heard the word go from Jesus to go and make disciples. And they, a community was formed, a Christian community was formed in Colossae where there was experiencing tremendous transformation and the news of what God was doing in this little city spread and Paul, the apostle, heard about it. And so he writes this letter, in fact, starts this letter with incredible affirmation. I want to jump in here. Chapter one, verse one of Colossians, as we do this here. Paul, it says this, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our father. We've always thanked you, the Thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that sprang from the hope stored from you in heaven and about 
which you have already heard the true message of the gospel has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace. What Paul's doing here, he's affirming them. I heard great news about you. I heard what God's doing in you. And I want you to know that's awesome. And it's not only awesome what's happening in your community, it's happening in other communities as well. Uh, They don't have, there's no way, there's no social media, there's no news, there's nothing. They have no clue. People haven't moved beyond a mile or two in their whole life. And someone comes with this letter and says, guess what? It's happening here. It's happening over here. The gospel is spreading. So he's, he's affirming them and encouraging them. And I tell you what, it's so wonderful when I go to other places, when I go to gather with pastors for a prayer time somewhere else or other parts of the county, and I introduce myself, what church I pastor, I'll hear these words sometimes. Oh, I heard that your church is involved in this. I heard that your the, there's a quite a movement of, of students happening in your church. I heard that I met a person just came to Christ through that. I, I hear you're involved in reaching people that are in recovery. I hear all these great, wonderful news, and there's a sense of pride comes over. It's like that's us, God. You're doing that great work in and through us and through our community. That it's spreading beyond even Whatcom County, which is pretty awesome. And so Paul goes on. And then he says this, he says, you've learned it from Ephraim, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Ephraim is an important person in Colossae. Some would say he was the leader or possibly the founder of this church group that started. You can read the book of Philemon where he's mentioned, where he, it says that it references that he and Paul are in Rome and actually in prison. Paul was under house arrest in Rome and basically in chains. And see what was happening is due to intense persecution of the church, they were trying to squash out the Romans and the Jews and others were against Christianity, trying to stop it. But when Paul got arrested, you know what he ended up doing? He started writing letters and slipping them under the door and getting them out to the various churches. And that's why this letter of Colossians was written. But he had heard from Ephraim, who was now in prison with him, hey, this is what's going on in Colossae. And what he's hearing, this news, it was disturbing because there was an issue of identity crisis. See, after a few years, what seemed was happening is, is they, there was this newfound faith. They began to get a bit confused. They began to go, who are we really? Or, you know, what, what do we need to be about? What was happening? See, Ephraim, as then arrested, possibly there was a lack of leadership in Colossae. And anytime there's a group of people and there's a lack of leadership, it doesn't go very well. And someone would come in with strong leadership and not only is the best leadership that take place. And see, that seems to be what's happening where what happened is there were some false teachers that came in and brought some confusion to the church. Apparently what they were saying basically was this, that Jesus is good, but he's just a good start. You need to also practice in putting your, your mixture Christianity with some other things as well and some ways of spiritual enlightenment. So there's this kind of a movement started was this asceticism. And basically what it was is that, yes, Jesus is a good start, but you need to add some other disciplines that are out there and really extreme forms of disciplines such as in self-denial, such as starvation, abstinence, 
and then blending in Jewish rituals, which were strict, bringing back the strict dietary laws and, soup, and, and circumcision, which, you know, for adult males at the time, you're jumping in. That's a, that's a tough that's a tough road to hoe, right? And so Paul is combating this. And, the, and we'll read in the coming weeks, he peppers it through the book of Colossians. But what does this have to do with identity? Everything. See, we need to know this. What is required to become a Christian? What is it required? What do you need to do to become a Christian? And the answer is nothing. Jesus did it all. For us to be in right relationship with God and personal relationship with God, and for us to grow in our relationship and get closer to Jesus, there is some things that would be helpful we'll talk about here that help us grow in our faith, but there's nothing you need to add on top of it. I love how the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this, and it's, I love it in the message. Listen to this. So what the part that, that we did and God did, it says, now God has us where he wants us with all the time in the world and the next sh- to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and his work. All we do is to trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd, we'd go, probably go around bragging that we're, we've done the whole thing. No, we either make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Now, Sum all that up. What does that mean? And maybe you've heard this before. There's a formula. It's a math formula. It's this. Jesus plus nothing. You know what it equals? Everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the gospel. That's, the, that's what salvation is. All we need is Jesus. You've heard that. We sing about it. All we need is Jesus. We don't need Jesus and religion. We don't need Jesus in self-discipline. We don't need Jesus in, in, in enlightenment, which they were talking, you've got to do all these things on top of the Jesus is a good start. You don't need all that. And, and, and we, we just need Jesus. We don't need, we don't need Jesus and a bunch of things we've got to do with it. We don't need Jesus in coffee. Wait a second, that's too far. <laughs> we need Jesus first, and then coffee is helpful, but... Well, now here's the thing. Is there some rules we need to follow? Well, yes, Paul and the and other New Testament writers and Jesus himself gives us instructions of holy living. The times that we need to deny ourselves, we need to be stretched, we need to, if we're going to grow in Christ's likeness, there's, there's some helpful tips and some commands of scripture to help us with the goal of growing and pursuing in Christ. But we don't jump into other, other things and other ways to go about that. It's all through Jesus. The main reason Paul writes this is that these Christians were confused because they lost who they were. And for all of us at times, we can lose our way. We can start out really well and get pulled away and others pull us away from truly, truly going, no, I've got to stay in the lane of who Jesus is and grow in that. And what happens, they begin to believe these lies. They needed Jesus plus something else. And Paul is saying, it's not who you are that is who you think you are, others think you are, it's really comes down to who you think Jesus is. And through all through the letter of the, uh, of the letter to the church, Paul stresses two things about Jesus. And we're going to look at them in, in the coming weeks. And you see this recurring theme. And that is Christ's supremacy and his sufficiency. If you read through the book of Colossians, those are two major themes of understanding Christ's supremacy, that he's Lord of all, and that He's sufficient, that he is 
everything that we need, that Christ is big enough and has enough to all that we need. So here's our thought as we go on this whole series for the next few weeks. Who you think you are all depends on who you think Jesus is. If you want to know your identity, who you think you are depends on who Jesus really, truly is. It's so fundamental for our faith. So when we're faced with criticism and unrealistic uh, comp- um, compliments or unwise comparisons, it's not only based on our identity on who people say we are, or who we think we are when we look in the mirror. It's really saying who we are, who, uh, who God says we are, sorry. But we don't know who we are until we discover who Jesus is. You got to understand that has implications. When we truly believe who we are in Christ, we can rise up and be who God's called us to be and do what God has called us to do. It goes back to our identity in Christ. So today I want to make this statement as a personal affirmation you can use throughout the week and throughout your life. This is, I am who I am in Christ. Can we say that together? I am who I am in Christ. That's really what we're saying here. And that we are who we are. If you really, really want to know, who do you think you are? You are what? I am who I am in Christ. Now, that's an awesome thing to know. And it's an awesome way. But how do we practically live that out? We're going to spend the next few weeks in the book of Colossians where we discover who Jesus really is, what is he really like, and who he really is. And that will help us understand who we really are in him. Next week, Tyler's going to unpack big Jesus. We're going to, he's going to talk about how we can find our confidence in Christ. And I'm going to be in the front row taking notes about that because that is so critical for us as we jump into understanding ourselves. We need to know who Jesus is. But as we bring a little bit of a wrap-up here today, we're going to do two things. We're going to reflect on the prayer that Paul prayed for us, and for the church, and then we're going to have a time around the communion. So we're going to do those here before we close. First is Paul had this prayer that I want to use as an identity prayer for us as we go into this series. He says, you know, as he affirmed them, and he talked about the confusion Christians are, he says this, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. He goes on and prays this prayer over them, an amazing prayer for us to pray of our God-given identity. He says this, we continually ask God to fill you with all knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. And this word knowledge, it means more than absorbing facts and concepts. He's saying to know that to have knowledge is in being intimately acquainted with a person. It's the same word going back in, in the Bible about Adam and Eve, that Adam knew Eve. It was an intimate relationship. It's through relationship that we know Christ. You've been around people and when you, or when you know somebody, truly, when someone says, did you hear what they did? I can't believe they, oh, wait a second, you don't know them like I know them. I know them. Knowing is not just a knowledge of them. Knowing is knowing them in relationship. And that's how Jesus describes us. He says, I call you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. When our identity is founded in friendship with Christ, we get the inside track of heaven. We can then know, understand. If you want to know God's will, his good and perfect will of the Father is knowing Christ. We are called his friends. Then Paul goes on with the prayer. He says this, so you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every 
way. That prayer, that, that, that phrase, live a life, means to walk it out. Walking is one of the greatest forms of exercise that anybody can do if you're able, if you're able to do that. My, my uncle, he's 90 years old. He's going to be 91 here next month. The reason he's 91 years, going to be 91 years old is he walks every day. He says, Dan, I walk two miles a day every day, rain or shine, snow, it doesn't matter. And I tell you, we have various speeds and levels of endurance and unique styles in how we walk, but it's therapeutic and effective. My wife and I, we take walks and we have the best conversations of life when we're walking and doing that. One of the greatest moments I have with the Lord throughout the week is I take a walk with God. Uh, you might see me now, if you see me on the trail and I'm talking to myself or whatever, you know, just let me be, I'm working things out, okay? I've got headphones or whatever it is. I tell you, it's so important when we're walking, we're walking out our faith. It's a process that we go through. And what happens when we walk that life and we just work through it and this, this work that God's doing, these are the results. This is what Paul says. He continues his prayer. He says, bearing fruit in every good work. Paul's acknowledging that there's an effort on our part, but it's not about performance. It's this fruit that comes that we bear, not produce. Just like you can't squeeze oranges out of your ears, you can't produce spiritual fruit. You only bear it, and it's connected with Jesus. Back to John 15, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. None of us can bear anything spiritual eternal unless we're connected to Jesus in friendship. And what we get to experience with the fruit, it's, it's the love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, gentleness, love, and self-control. Those are those fruits of the Spirit that we have. But Paul goes on, the practical side of these fruits, and that we can experience. He says, the fruit, what is it? He says this, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so you may have great endurance and patience. I don't know about you, man, that's what I need. Great endurance and great patience. That this continual need that we have. And then he goes on from that, from that experience. This is what he prays for them. And it's a prayer for us is this, to give us joyful thanks to God who has qualified you to share the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of life. What a powerful prayer for us to pray over ourselves and over others this week, this identity prayer that we can pray, that, we're, that we become qualified. Now, how do we become qualified? We can't do it on our own. Jesus plus nothing is, is everything. There's nothing on our end. Christ did it all, all the work that was accomplished because of what he did. What did he do? Paul ends this prayer with this. And in the prayer, he says this, for you have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought in the kingdom of the son he loves in whom you, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Dominion is this power over us, power over us. Without Christ, we are not in control. As much as you think you're in control of your life, you're not. It's the sinful nature, the dark sinful nature that has control over us. No Nobody can escape it. And that's why God the Father, it says he is willing to let go and be brought into the kingdom of son he loves. The sacrifice that his very own son for us on the cross. Imagine your own kids. Imagine putting them as a sacrifice over others. That's what God did. That's what the Father did. Not only to buy us as the ransom, what he did, 
but brought us into this kingdom. He, he bought us and he brought us into this wonderful, wonderful realm of the kingdom of light that he did on the cross. Good news. If you've received Christ already, he's already rescued you from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of son that he loves. And we're going to take a moment today to remember what Christ did for us. Our team's getting ready. They can come and prepare. Our usher's getting ready. In a moment here, we're going to serve communion. And as we reflect on this, this is a wonderful weekend as we set up not only this Colossians series, and that we can reflect on our own faith and what Christ has done for us, but we discover who we are in in that process. We're remembering this memorial weekend. We think of the people that huge sacrifices that we remember them. There's only one that ultimately paid the ultimate sacrifice, what we truly, truly need to save our souls, and it's Jesus. And we remember him this weekend. We take this moment to do that. But let me ask you this question before we do. Who do you think you are? Seriously, who do you think you are? Listen, you're not what people say you are. You're not what you say you are. You are who Christ says you are. And how do you know what Christ says you are? Because you need to know who Jesus is first. And that's what we're going to do here in the coming weeks. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to unfold for us. And we're going to discover some new things about ourselves because we're going to understand Jesus even more. I am who I am through Christ. And moment, our usher is going to serve communion. And if you're new.